Our reading this morning is found in Romans chapter 13. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe him taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding. Accept the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Thank you, Sharon. Good morning, everyone. You're not my boss. Don't tell me what to do, right? Now, is it just preschoolers who have that attitude sometimes? The fact is, ever since Adam and Eve, uh, we have been rebelling against authority. It's almost like it's a bad word. And some would say that respect for authority and for those who are in authority is at an all-time low. The fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. That's, that's not always true in our society today. Martin Luther broadened that to say it's not just our parents, but all those who are in authority that we are to respect, honor, and obey. And, and yet you, you look at the way that police officers are treated today, or public school teachers, and that respect, it's just, it's not there anymore, is it? Well, we are under authority, and uh, we're continuing this series on truths of the Reformation for today. And when today we come to this whole subject of obedience, and who do we obey, and, and the fact that we have two kingdoms that we live in. On the one hand, we are citizens of the kingdom of what Luther called the kingdom of the right. And that's the rule of God's grace, the forgiveness of sins. It's that which is eternal, that because of our relationship with Jesus, we have the promise of everlasting life. That's the kingdom of, of God's grace that's lived out in the church, in our spiritual lives. But on the other hand, we have the kingdom of the, of the left. And that's the kingdom of 
justice, of earthly authorities, of politicians, of of earthly rulers of all different kinds. And we need to obey them too. So we are people who are under authority. And it's been my experience that if people don't learn that at an early age, that we need to submit to authority, and they're bucking authority, they're asking for a life of trouble. Well, today we want to talk about those two kingdoms. You know, it was Jesus who just before he ascended into heaven said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's over everything, right? But when it comes to authority, he has established those two kingdoms. On the one hand, the apostle Paul says, our real citizenship is in heaven. That's the spiritual kingdom that we live in. That God's rule of grace through Jesus Christ as our Savior is always there for us. uh, Assuring us that, that, that our sins are forgiven and that we have everlasting life. On the other hand, as you heard in our scripture reading for today, God has placed human authorities here. And we are to obey them. Those words in Romans chapter 13. Every person should be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And so God has placed the earthly authorities there for us too. And so whoever rebels against that authority is also rebelling against God. And yet those two kingdoms, those two authorities that we are to listen to are often intermingled. It gets confusing, doesn't it? Uh, I go back to an incident that was in Scripture, uh, in the book of Acts, the early days of the church. Remember the apostles? They were there when Jesus ascended into heaven. All authority has been given to you now to go and make disciples of all nations. And not only that, but then the Holy Spirit comes upon them at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And then right after that, they're walking the streets next to the temple, and they come across this, this beggar. And he's been lame from birth. He's 40 years old. And Peter and John look at him and say, I don't have any silver or gold to offer you, but what I have, I give to you. And they look at this guy in the eye and they say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And sure enough, his ankles, his feet, his legs become strong. And the next thing we see is him dancing. He's jumping and leaping and praising God in the temple courts. Well, at that time, another authority takes notice of this. It was called the Sanhedrin. But was the leading Jewish authorities, the civil authorities in that day. And they want to put a stop to this Jesus movement. And they don't like anyone using the authority of Jesus to heal people. So they put him in prison, in jail. Well, they let him go, but they tell him under this one stipulation, we don't want you to talk anymore about this Jesus. We don't want you preaching about his death on the cross or his resurrection. And that's when Peter and John look at him and and they say, we can only talk about what we've witnessed, what we know to be true. And then in the end, they say, we must obey God rather than man. And so that's the principle that's set forth. But during the years, there's been a real confusion of the kingdom of the right and kingdom of the left. And at the time of the Reformation, this was especially prevalent. Ever since Constantine made Christianity the religion of the state, there's been this intermingling of church and state. And when the founders of our nation, who were many of them committed Christians, started writing what would be our constitution, 
they referred and they knew about the teachings of Martin Luther with the two kingdoms. And they said, we got to keep them separate. Separation of church and state. And so we got the First Amendment as a result. Well, through the centuries, especially, this, there's been such a confusion. I, I go back to uh, King Henry IV and Pope Gregory VI. Henry was a king in France, and he wanted to depose the Pope. And the Pope defeated him and his armies, and he made, he made Henry IV stand in the snow barefoot, begging for repentance from the Pope. Yeah, got this intertwining. At the time of the Reformation, it really had become corrupt. This, this, this non-separation of church and state, confusing the two kingdoms. Prince Albert of Brandenburg, and forget, forgive me, if you don't like history, this would be really boring for you. But this is interesting to me, so I'm going to tell you about it. Prince Albert of Brand- Brandenburg was, was part of the area that Witten, Wittenberg was, part, was close to. And Prince Albert went to the Pope in Rome and said, if I give you enough money, I get to call the shots in the church too. And I get to put my people as the Archbishop of Mainz and also the other bishops in my district. And because they got enough money, they said, okay, you can do what you want. And so Albert, uh, he chose all of his own people. And then when it came time to sell indulgences, remember indulgences were these pieces of paper that said if you pay enough money, not only you, but your loved ones can spring from purgatory up to heaven. And so peasants found themselves giving their life savings to ensure that they would be together with their loved ones in heaven. Well, where do you think the money went? Half of the money in the area where Martin Luther was went to Prince Albert, okay, to pay him back off. The other half went to Rome to pay for the building of St. Peter's Basilica. And Martin Luther and the other reformers said, this is terrible. This is not what the Bible says. And they went back to Scripture and they saw that the basis of the church and the ministry of the church is always in the gospel. It's about Jesus and Him alone. It's about the forgiveness of sins that He won for us on the cross by His death on the cross and His resurrection. And so the, the church is not ruled by a human institution, whether it's the princes or the Pope. We take our director from the very Word of God. And so Martin Luther then really taught about this kingdom of the right and kingdom of the left, that we are citizens of both kingdoms. As a citizen of the kingdom of the left, we are called to respect those who are in authority. We are called to obey them unless our conscience is is, is gone against, unless we have a situation where God's Word is clearly being, being uh, approached in a negative way and disobeyed, we as citizens, we are called to obey those who are in authority. And that's a hard word for some. When it comes to the kingdom of the right, we are ruled by God's grace. Is an eternal grace. That it has an effect on us in the way that we think, in the way that we talk, in the way that we live. Well, how do we justify the two? You know, even for our own Lutheran church, we, through the years, we've had some confusing kinds of situations. On the one hand, we've had well-meaning Christians who have come to me as a pastor and say, Pastor, you need to endorse this political candidate from the pulpit. It's the Christian thing to do. 
We need, to, to, we need to petition our lawmakers to make this law or that law. And while as Christians we have a duty to be a, a, a prophetic voice in our culture where we stand up for Christian principles. I can think of, you know, like the sanctity of life or the, the definition of marriage. And we could go on and on and on about some of these things. But yet that's not our main purpose in the church. Our purpose is to share the gospel so that people believe and have an everlasting relationship with God. It's an eternal purpose. Through the years, even our own Lutheran Church in Missouri Synod, you know, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, of which we are part of, has a European background. Most of the churches of the Missouri Synod were Germanic, okay? We, our ancestors came from Germany. And as such, when they came to the United States and they formed churches, what language do you think they spoke? German, right? And uh, this was especially true. And then came the First World War. And many of our churches were still preaching and teaching Auf Deutsch. And that was a real problem because some of the politicians especially thought that by doing so, we were aiding and abetting the enemy who was Germany in World War I. And so state legislatures, like in Nebraska, made a law that said no longer can these Lutheran churches teach or preach in German. Well, they still spoke German, so that was a real conflict, wasn't it, for them? And then, for instance, in the 1920s, when prohibition was taking place, uh, the Arkansas State Assembly passed a law against the Lutheran churches saying that no longer could they serve wine with Holy Communion. Okay? So you see, there's, there's been some intermeeting, some, some times when, yes, we in the church have, have had issues with the government too. But for the most part, we remain faithful as citizens of both kingdoms. And how do we live that out? And I'm just going to go through this today and talk about, with you about as a citizen of the kingdom of the right, a citizen of the kingdom of the left, what can we, what practical things we should be doing? So let's take up, first of all, the, the kingdom of the left. And again, that's the, the kingdom of justice, of this world. It's temporal. It's not lasting. But it creates order and peace in our society. And God himself says, we need to obey these people. What do we do for our rulers and for those in authority when we as we live out our lives in the kingdom of the left? When it comes to those in authority, what's the first thing that we do? Criticize them? Make them fodder for our discussions at our neighborhood pools? No, the Bible says the first thing we do is pray for them. That we lift them up to the Lord in our prayers on a regular basis. That we pray for our city officials. We pray for our state government workers. We pray for our police and our, and our firefighters. We pray for our na national elected officials. We ask God to give them wisdom as they deal with justice and mercy for all the people of these United States of America. And it's no small task as we've seen. But prayer is where we begin. Not in a critical spirit, but in a spirit of love and, and peace for our nation. Second of all, what do we do as citizens of the... We follow the laws of the government. <laughs> Remember in, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is presented with a coin. And, 
And should we pay our taxes or not? And that's when Jesus says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and unto God that which is God's. And so we obey the laws of the country, right, that are presented to us. And there's no reason in the kingdom of the left why why we shouldn't. And someone says, do we have to obey the speed limit even? (laughs) Yeah. We are citizens and we are faithful in in the kingdom of the left. In fact, I would posit that Christians are the best citizens that we have in our country because we are faithful in following our leaders. Thirdly, then, we pledge our allegiance. And what does it mean to pledge our allegiance? Well, a good example of that is when a a group of us about three weeks ago were were in Normandy at the D-Day beaches. And uh, it was such a moving, moving time for us as we were at the American Cemetery. There's over 11,000 white crosses, marble crosses. It's beautiful. And as we looked out on the beach, we realized how many of these men gave their lives for us. And so as a result, we are faithful. We, we pledge allegiance to our nation. And we're willing to pray for our leaders, to support our leaders, to stand up for them. And so that our, preser- our freedom can be preserved from one generation to the next. And there at the cemetery, American Cemetery, we said the Pledge of Allegiance. We sang the Star Spangled Banner. There was hardly a dry eye there. We pledge allegiance. What else do we do in the kingdom of the left? We seek justice and compassion for all people. The prophet Micah asked this question, and what does God require of you? And this was the answer. God says to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so we support the efforts of our nation to care for our people and to be compassionate, even if they're not exactly like us, right? That's what we are about as a country. And finally then, in the kingdom of the left, we vote. What a wonderful privilege we have in our Christian stewardship. We're in a country where we have a voice. We can have a say. We vote. We elect leaders who will reflect our values as Christians. And it doesn't mean that our Christian witness does not influence attitudes and actions of our nation, of the left-hand kingdom. In fact, we are there we need to support and encourage Christians to, to be in their vocation as political leaders. And we need to encourage our politicians to be faithful to God's word and will as they rule in that kingdom of the left. And when the kingdom of the, the left intrudes upon the kingdom of the right, just as the Sanhedrin tried to do with Peter and John in the book of Acts, when they were told not to preach about Jesus anymore. So in the end, our final principle is that we must obey God rather than men. The kingdom of the left is temporal. It won't last. It's part of the aspect of life where moth and rust destroy and where thieves come in and steal. Think about it. Leaders change. Governments change. Some leaders are really good. Some leaders are very bad. Some demonstrate a desire to help others. Others don't. In the end, though it's a matter of the kingdom of the left, it's not eternal. It's temporal. But on the other hand, our real treasure is in the gospel. 
It's in Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul says again, finally in the end we are citizens of heaven. And our Savior's rule is in our hearts. And because He rules our hearts and our lives, we are directed, we are led, we are guided in the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, as a kingdom of the right, what are you to do? What are we to do? First of all, we're faithful, right? We're faithful to the Lord as we regularly hear His Word, like we're doing on a rainy Sunday morning. We're faithful as in a few minutes we come to the Lord and we receive Him in the sacrament of Holy Communion to to know that our sins are forgiven, to know that we've got power and strength. We are faithful as we respond to the gospel and we live out our Christian lives in our love for the Lord, but also in our love for other people. It shows in our attitudes. Working, if you work alongside of a Christian who's part of the kingdom of the right, you're going to experience a joy and a peace. Because you are like that. God has made a difference in your heart and life. And so people want to have you as their employee. People want to have you as their friends. The assurance of God's grace. You know, there's a lot of things in our society that I'm not excited about. A lot of things that have changed over the years. And some of it is appalling. But you know what? Jesus never changes. In the book of Hebrews, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that's finally where we hang our hat, right? That's finally where our real citizenship is. Yes, we live in the kingdom of the left. We are are dual citizens, don't we? And we pledge allegiance to our nation, to our country. We follow the rules of of of, of the land, the laws of the land, and we uphold our 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 leaders in faith as we pray for them. But finally, what is in the kingdom, we live in the kingdom of the right, that Christ's rule by his grace is forever in our hearts and in our lives. You know, in many of our churches, and if you go over to the sanctuary, you'll notice that we have two flags. We don't have uh, Christian flags here, our uh, national flag and a Christian flag here in the worship center. But we're going to put both flags up on the screen and we're going to pledge our allegiance to both of them because we are citizens of both kingdoms. Will you stand with me and let's do that, shall we? First to the Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. No one's going to tell me what to do, right, Max? Pastor, thank you. And yet uh, we live under the authority of both kingdoms. God bless you.